This program is brought to you by Grand Valley State University. All right, tape is rolling. Make sure you guys are ready. Okay. Um, can you state your name? Edmund C. Sujik. Where were you born? In Grand Rapids. And what year were you born? Uh, October 16, 1918. Well, I guess we'll start from the beginning. Um, did you grow up in Grand Rapids here? Yeah. Uh, 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 no, uh, we moved on a farm by Wayland when I was uh, nine years old. Um, so what did you do with your time before you uh, joined the military, like high school? Uh, like uh, worked on a farm. Milked cows, raised pigs, chickens. Um, so what, why did you decide to join the military? I was selected by my friends and neighbors. <laughs> I got a letter one day. <laughs> Uncle Sam wants you. <laughs> I'm going to stop you guys real quick here. All right, guys. Okay, so you, you joined because you were selected by the government? Yeah, I, I, I joined the military because I was selected by my friends and neighbors. Um, so what did you think about that when you joined? Like, Well... I, I didn't think much of it. We went, uh, I went to Fort Custer. They gave us the uniforms and shoes. Uh, the guy measured my feet. He said, man, you got wide feet. I said, yeah, that's because I walked behind the plow. He said, I don't know if I got wide enough shoes for you. And then he found some. He, he said, put them on, and then they had two five-gallon pails of sand. He said, pick them pails of sand up and then he had my feet in that machine with the pictures and said boy them fit pretty good so you were at boot camp at fort, fort custer uh yeah i was there uh i think uh i was there two weeks or so and the uh, first morning they called us out they said pick up them cigarette butts I, I said, I don't smoke. The sergeant said, pick them up. <laughs> and uh, then next day they put me on KP. And boy, I liked that. What's, what's KP? Uh, work in the kitchen. Oh. And uh, I reported in the morning. One of the cooks said, go in the pantry, get that bag of potatoes. It was a 100-pound bag of uh Idaho potatoes, God, they were beautiful. He said, peel them. He gave me two great big pots. I said, how many should I peel? He said, that whole bag. <laughs> so I peeled that whole bag. They cooked them for dinner. And uh, I, I liked that because I could go in a pantry, get milk, uh, you know, or uh, apple, or orange, whatever I wanted to eat. So what was your uh, basic routine then at boot camp besides doing various jobs the sergeants told you to do? 
Well, then they, uh, I was there, I think, two weeks. Then we moved to Camp Livingston, Louisiana. And then we had basic training. We went, uh, they put me in a mortar squad. They showed how to shoot it and everything. And that, but uh, we, we didn't do any shooting there, uh, you know, live ammunition. They gave me a 45 pistol to carry, and uh, I was in that mortar squad when we went to Australia, and then when we went to New Guinea and got in the war, I was still in that. And that, that worked good, but we run out of ammunition. And, uh, um, <clears throat> So you had training with mortar. What other sort of training did you have all at boot camp? Oh, we went on maneuvers and uh, oh, we done, uh, you know, uh, made believe we was fighting, but we didn't do no shooting at each other. And then uh, they took us on a rifle range to shoot. Uh, they gave us uh, live ammunition there and targets. What kind of rifles were you using? Uh, M1s. That, that, that was a nice rifle. I'd like to have one of them for, uh, I don't go deer hunting, but it'd really be nice for deer hunting. And I, I think it's a lot better rifle than they got now. Hmm. Um, when you were at boot camp, did you go with anyone that you knew beforehand? Or was it totally new people and new experience for you? No, it was all, all, all new. There, uh, before we went, uh, got in the Army, they had a dinner for us in Allegan, and I met one guy. Uh, we sat together, ate together there, and uh, we went to Kalamazoo together for a physical, and they turned him down. There was something wrong with his back. He was a truck driver. Uh, he had his own truck. He sold the truck, and and boy, that guy practically cried when they turned him down. And uh, I never seen him after that. I, I didn't get his address where he lived, so I couldn't write him a letter or anything. Um, what was your fondest memory of being at boot camp, if any? Well, uh, I met a lot of nice guys. We had a good time there, and uh, you know, and we. Uh, one nice thing uh, I remember, uh, they used to come around with uh, watermelons on a truck. Uh, they'd sell them fifty cents a piece, great big watermelons. <laughs> we we'd buy one, and uh, we was uh, let's see, there was five of us in a tent. We'd take in a tent and take our knives and cut it. Boy, we'd eat watermelon. It wasn't cold, but it tasted good. Um, did you have, what sort of training did you have after you got out of boot camp? If well, we went, uh, we didn't have much other training. We went, uh, let's see, from boot camp, we went to uh, Massachusetts. They was going to send us to uh, 
to Asia or some dang place. And uh, we was there for about two weeks. They uh, changed their mind and put us on a train. We went all the way to San Francisco and we got on a big boat, Lure Line they called, and we uh, went to Australia. Then we was in Australia there for a while. Then they put us on another boat and we went to New Guinea. When you were in Australia, did they give you any tips about the fighting in the South Pacific? No, no. They, they, uh, well, there, there wasn't too much fighting. There was quite a few Japs in uh, New Guinea already, but, uh, and uh, some of the Australian soldiers were there already. And uh, when we went over there, we joined the Australian soldiers. They helped us a lot, and uh, in New Guinea, it, it was uh, nice because uh, uh, all there was Australian soldiers, us, and the natives, and you could tell the natives real easy. You know, they they were they they really helped us a lot. They carried uh, ammunition and. Uh, grub for us and they, they really helped us and boy there was beautiful coconut groves there god there was in rows them trees and beautiful coconuts and uh, i ate more coconut there i don't care for coconut anymore <laughs> i ate coconut for breakfast and drank drank that milk out of them coconut We'd ask them natives to get us a coconut. They'd climb up the trees. They didn't. They didn't wear shoes. They'd go up that tree, knock them coconuts down. They had uh, like our machetes, and they'd bring it down and skin it for us. They, they was really good. Did um, the Australian troops? the American troops with respect, or did you guys get along? Did what? Did the American troops and the Australian troops get along? Oh, oh, yeah, we got along real good, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they taught us a lot, too, about fighting. Heck, when, when we first hit the enemy, I was right next to two Australians, and the first night, uh, that one Aussie says to me, I forgot what he, they used to call us Americans. He said, I hear something. I said, I do too. And it was getting closer and closer, and we both fired same time. It was darker in the ace of spades. You couldn't see a hand in front of your face. And uh, when daylight came, I could t touch the bayonet of the Jap. He was laying there. And we didn't argue who hit him, <laughs> and we didn't we didn't go look. I didn't anyway. <laughs> Whether he was hit twice or once. When did you first arrive in the South Pacific? Uh, it's in that book. It was in uh, 
41. It was, I think, May, May 16th or something, 41. Okay. Um, when you got there, did you keep everything that they gave you in your backpacks, or did you drop some stuff out? What did you keep? Oh, I, I kept everything. They, I didn't throw nothing away. Uh, some, some of the guys, when we went to New Guinea, they uh, threw a lot of stuff away, but uh, I carried uh, half the pup tent and uh, all the mess kits and uh, the, the spoon and knife and fork. And No, I don't think we had a fork, just spoon and knife. No, I guess we did have a fork, come to think of it. Um, what was your first experience in fighting? <sighs> Well, it was hell. Uh, yeah, that uh, first day when we hit them, we just went over a little uh, river or creek. It was about knee deep. And we just got in a banana grove and uh, the Japs start fighting or firing. So we dug a hole I was looking for a place where the banana leaves was an opening to put our mortar in. Uh, the lieutenant came by, his name was Johnson. He says, don't put it in there. The planes come by, they can see you. Get under a banana leaf. And at training, they said, never put it under a tree because that shell goes up. It hits the least little thing, it'll go off. So that. Lieutenant was going to court-martial me and the uh, uh, guy that was in a hole with me. He was a corporal. And I said, okay, I'll put it under the tree. I'll show you how to drop it. And you drop it, and I'll leave, and I'll tell your wife what happened to you. He walked away and didn't say a word. <laughs> Well, uh, it, I liked it there. It was uh, warm. Uh, some of the guys, uh, uh, they got blisters on their feet, and uh, they was really, really, you know, taking it hard. But I was used to warm weather on a farm, and uh, like in the summertime, you know, doing haying and everything. And it didn't bother me. I, I liked it. it. It rained every day in New Guinea there in the afternoon. Like we'd take a shower in the rain. What did you think of the rain day in and day out? How did you guys deal with that? It, it, it didn't, didn't bother me. Uh, some of the guys it bothered, you know. And there was, uh, they called ticks, too. They'd get on your legs and uh, get in your skin. And boy, some of the guys, they'd scratch. But uh, I had a little bottle of alcohol. And uh, I'd, uh, they gave us a thing with, uh, it was a compass on top with matches. I had matches. I'd light a match and touch that tick and it'd back out. Then I'd take the alcohol and just rub it on my legs and, and it'd heal, you know. It, I didn't have no trouble at all. Um, what other sort of problems did you have, like with insects or any of the other 
natural surroundings? Uh, oh, I don't know. It, uh, I, I didn't have much trouble. Like uh, when we was walking once there, uh, I was looking around and I found a little ripe pineapple growing there. So I picked it and cut it. <laughs> I don't know how many guys <laughs> we had a, it wasn't very big, but man, it was nice and ripe and man, that tasted good. Then we walked a little ways and there was papaya trees. So I picked one of them, cut it open, took the seeds out and started eating it. One guy says, geez, Ed, you, you could live out in the jungle and live off the jungle. <laughs> he said, how did that taste? I said, tastes good. Do you want to taste it? <laughs> and and I, I loved them things. When, when we came back, we went to Hawaii. I went four times. The wife went five times. I had a daughter and son-in-law living there. And uh, uh, we went to the store one day. I was going to buy some of them papayas and my daughter said don't buy any I'll take you a little ways from our house there there's an uh, old uh, guy sitting there on a porch he's got a bunch of trees and he sells them six for a dollar so my daughter took us up there I went up to the guy and I said you got some papayas he said yeah I got seven here I said how much you want for it one dollar Take all of them, he says. <laughs> and man, they were good. But you couldn't bring any back from Hawaii. You could buy them over there. They inspected. But uh, when we just come back, I looked at them there. And heck, they, they, they was half rotten already, you know. Um, so how often did you get to, when you're in New Guinea, how often were you able to pick food like that is it all all year round or is it just oh, seasonal? Oh, oh a lot of time like uh, in uh, in them uh, banana groves once in a while we'd find some but I don't know there weren't too many bananas and uh, that grove where we uh, first hit them heck when we got done all that was left was uh, the stalks the leaves were all shattered what else did you guys have to eat and all that? Just oh, they call them sea rations. I called them dog biscuits. I, I broke my teeth on them thing. They were harder than a rock. And then they had uh, canned stuff, hash. And uh, we had uh, uh, cans of meat. Uh, I said to the guys, that's horse meat. Uh, it, it was Australian stuff, mm. and uh, but we ate it and got along. And uh, when uh, after we was in the uh, war for I don't know how many days, we went back to Australia to get replacements. We lost so many guys, and uh, there was a couple of guys from Pennsylvania, uh, Irishmen, and. Uh, that one guy, uh, Al McNally, he was a uh, sergeant. They put me in a, a rifle platoon then, and he was my sergeant. And then when we w went back to New Guinea, 
he uh, opened up the can of hash, he took a spoonful and he said, man, that's dull. I wish I had some hot peppers. I said, I'll get you some hot peppers. So I took my rifle and walked a little ways. Them peppers, they grew wilder and they were hot. I tasted one and I thought, I'm gonna burn up. I just bit in it and spit it out. So I picked a handful, I said, here, I ain't gonna wash them with my water, use your own. <laughs> so he took them, he rinsed them off, he cut it in, in there and he was eating it. Boy, now that tastes good, he said. <laughs> and them things were hot. And, and they were little bitty things. The replacements? Yeah. Oh, we we got along real good. Yeah. Did you guys have any trouble at all? Like when you were in New Guinea, was there any problems with other people in your outfit or? No, heck, everybody got along real good. Uh, well, I I wrote a letter to my uh, cousin here in Grand Rapids. He worked for Quimby Kane Paper Company, and. Uh, I wrote it on Australian toilet paper. <laughs> that toilet paper, Australian toilet paper was like uh, uh, that paper they use in uh, Michigan wrap meat in. <laughs> and we had instant coffee. So I wet my finger and took coffee and I put it on that toilet paper. Then I wrote a letter on it. I said, Jack, things are rough over here. I dried this though before I wrote the letter. I I send it to him. There was girls working in the office. He showed that letter to everybody. And about a week later, I got a package from Grand Rapids with toilet paper and writing paper, pens, <laughs> pencils. <laughs> Uh, oh, and they send them quite often. Sometimes they brought them right to the front lines. And we'd open up, you know, and uh, divide it between the guys if there was something to eat. And what, what is your most specific memory from your time in the South Pacific? Is there anything that stands out? Well, uh, guy, I, I don't know. It. Uh, I I think uh, the what I remember most is that one time uh, that uh, Lieutenant Johnson took a bunch of guys. They went out on a patrol. They came back and. He came back by our hole and he said, we lost Ray Evans. I said, what happened to him? He says, I don't know. We lost him. And uh, I think it was two or three days later at night, he came back. I don't know how, how, how come he got by all the guys that he, he didn't get shot. He came back to my hole where I was with this other guy, Frank Carlin. And at Frank Carlin, uh, when we was in Louisiana, we was in the same uh, tent. 
and he snored like the Dickens. Even in New Guinea, he snored like the Dickens. And Frank was snoring. I was stayed up watching guard, and this uh, Ray Evans come come to my hole. And I don't know how he got through by all the other guys that he didn't get shot. And uh, I had my pistol cocked and aiming. I could hear him coming closer and closer, and that Ray, he heard Frank snoring, and he says, Ed, and I said to Ray, I raised that pistol, and I almost shot him. Boy, I cried, and, and I shook. Boy, that was the closest thing. I'd really feel bad if I did the kid hit him. So, um, were you yourself ever wounded when you were in battle? Yeah, I was hit twice. I was hit, hit in the back. And I says to this one guy, we called him Kentucky. He, I said, we better move. And uh, we went and he jumped in one foxhole and I jumped in another one. Then I got hit in the leg with shrapnel and he got hit in the stomach. And the, the medic, Frank Yakubuski, he lives a block away from me now. He was our medic. He he dug in my leg. He had a Boy Scout knife. He said, "Heck, Ed, I can't find nothing in there." And he put some stuff on there and a band-aid. And uh, this uh, Kentucky uh, Frank looked at him and he started putting some stuff on. And <laughs> this Kentucky said, "Frank." You don't have to put nothing on there. I'll spit some of this tobacco juice on. They they used to send them some tobacco juice that looked like swamp grass. <laughs> he used to chew on that and keep spitting that juice out. He spit some of that juice out and it, it healed and it was all right. <laughs> was that shrapnel from artillery or from grenades or how'd that happen? It was from the grenades. They, 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 what they had, uh, rifle grenades. They'd shoot them up in the air and then hit a branch because there was all kinds of you know, trees there and that. They'd explode. Hmm. Um, what was your most, what was the fiercest fighting that you ever encountered while in New Guinea? Uh, one day when we was making a, we was advancing uh, about a week before that, Marines came in there, and they came by, by my hole in that lieutenant or whatever he was. He said, I'll show you guys how to get them Japs out of here. And they started yelling like the Dickens. They woke up them Japs, and the Japs in the holes, they start shooting, and the machine gun opened up. And I don't know how many of them uh, Marines were killed. And I, I don't think there was any Japs killed. And uh, 
then the day left, and we we stayed there for about a maybe a week or so, and they said we're gonna make a raid on them today. So uh, I had a machine gun, and this one guy came by me said. Uh, Help me out, Ed. Guard me. I said, okay. So he, he took off, jumped in a hole with a jab, started fighting with him. They was turning around, and I aimed that machine gun I, to shoot that jab, but I didn't dare to fire it because that machine gun, I don't know, it, it, you couldn't hold it that still. If I had an M1, I could have shot him. And uh, then that Jap machine gun start firing. So I start firing at them. And uh, I put uh, a 50 round drum through. And then uh, uh, another uh, 20 uh, outfit through. And I put another 20 in. And then uh, I shot about half of that out, and the machine gun just blistered and quit firing. And uh, my buddy, he, he was over, we had trenches dug in. He was over quite a ways. He pulled me down. He says, Ed, get down. They're cutting the trees right above your head. I, I, I didn't even hear them bullets coming by. And so I moved over where he was. And I could see that machine gun. And there was a guy in a hole. He was frozen down there. He had a BAR. I never fired one of them. And I said, where's the safety on that? He showed me. He said, here's a clip of Armour Pearson shells. I said, put it in there. So I stood up, and I could see that machine gun. They were still firing where I was before. So I took one shot at it. I figured if that's anything like our machine gun, I'll fire right in the, the center of it. You know, it's the white. Um, so where was, what battles were you at? Any, like which major battles were you in in the Pacific? Just within New Guinea or wherever? What battle was it? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what battle they call that. We, uh, it was just fighting. I, I don't know what, what, what they called it. Um, you're in New Guinea. Uh, did you have any other combat experience after you were in New Guinea? Or well, I got malaria. I, I, I was in a hospital several times in, uh, in New Guinea in the field hospital and uh, in Australia. And then uh, when I came home on a furlough, I got malaria and I went to Fort Custer. I was in a hospital there, I think, 11 or 12 days. Did a lot of other guys that you were with catch malaria too? Oh, oh yeah, everybody got it. How uh, um, accessible, like if you got it in the front, 
how long before you could actually get treatment for it? How long did you have to stay out there before you could get treated? Well, uh, you had to be pretty sick before you'd, you know, go to a hospital. And, uh, but that, then they gave us, uh, they called them Atabrain tablets to take. And uh, a lot of guys, uh, it bothered them. And uh, they uh, got yellow jaundice from that. They turned yellow and that, but it, that, that didn't bother me. I, I kept taking them and it didn't bother. And then uh, uh, they gave us uh, some uh, vitamin pills and I'd take one of them. Uh, they were in brown bottles and they never stuck together, you know, from the heat. I'd take one a day of them. I don't know what was in them. So one day I thought, I'll just bite in on one. And boy, I bit in it and I spit it out. It, it tasted like a rotten egg. <laughs> Man, that was rotten. And I thought, holy smokes. Can you describe the Japanese soldiers? What did you think of, what did the troops think of them? Did they what? What did the troops think of the Japanese soldiers? What were they like? Oh, gee, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, the, I, I couldn't smell them, but the natives could. There was something, something about it. When we landed in, in New Guinea there, uh, they, uh, we was on a big boat, and then they put us on uh, what they call landing craft. And uh, the Navy shelled the... Uh, coastline there and uh, uh, the planes came over and dropped bombs and uh, when we hit shore the Japs they they must have got word and they left but they was dug in there man they was in they had like basements and uh, uh, they had uh, coconut trees cut down and made over the top and all kinds of ground on top and they was down there you know but they was all gone but I looked in one there and there was a bags of rice that they had they left you know they they took off they couldn't take, take the rice with them and so the natives were eating that rice it was really nice rice, too. What other sort of things did you get from the Japanese soldiers after? Um, uh, I, I didn't take nothing. A lot of guys, uh, uh, some of the guys told me that they, uh, the Japs had a lot of gold teeth. They was knocking their teeth out, you know, taking the gold. And I thought, gee, whiskers. <laughs> I, I didn't take nothing. I, there was like their rifles were nice and their swords and everything, but I I just took care of my gun and uh, I didn't care for theirs. Um, how was like sleeping over there? Were you able to sleep through the night, or was it hard to find like a comfortable place? 
Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It was, it, we slept in, you know, foxholes, and and uh, a lot of guys said uh, when they dug in a hole, water would come. But every hole I dug, we never had water in our hole. But. How did, um, like when you, your troop or your, whatever, how, when you would lose um, a troop in there, how would you guys deal with that? Would you have like a moment of silence for them or did you just keep going? Oh, I don't know. We, we had patience. We'd just sit there and wait, you know. And uh, it, it never bothered me, you know. Even now, I I can just set there. <laughs> my my wife, she could never set like that. I said, "You'd make a poor soldier." <laughs> how did you feel um, about? How did you feel in the situation of when you first lost, uh, either killed or wounded one of your buddies? How did that affect you and the rest of your? Friends? Well, uh, the first day we we was we wasn't in combat an hour. We lost one guy. He he joined the army. He was in the army reserve. He was 17 years old. He got killed, and uh, then the same day, my buddy from. Uh, uh, not Traverse City, but uh, up north there. He got hit. He came by me. Uh, his uh, jacket was torn and he was bleeding like a stuck hog. He said, Z, I'll see you in a month or two. And he did come back. And. Uh, I seen him after the war, after we got out. He, he, he came over and uh, he was single when he went in. And he he, he uh, come to Grand Rapids, get married. Uh, it was a girl from uh, up home he brought there and that Frank Carlin that I was in the foxhole with, he was best man for him. <laughs> Did I what? Did you get along with your generals well? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, we all got along real well. It, uh, I, I wish all them guys were living and would come to our uh, reunions, you know, but heck, mo mo most of them are gone. What did you think about how they uh, did, like, how did you think about their planning about where to have you guys go and where to face the enemy? Did you ever? I, I, I don't know how, how, how they figured that out, you know. They, they always had scouts up in front, you know. They'd find out where the enemy was in that. And I don't know how they f figured things out. Was <laughs> there ever a time where you thought maybe you didn't want to go somewhere? Like, did you ever have any arguments or anything about going wherever? No, heck, if 
other guys went, I went. How do you think the experience affected you overall? Like, what did, how did you change while you were there? Well, I don't know, we'd done a lot of praying. And uh, we was glad we survived another day. So how long did you, did you have any idea how long you might be fighting there in the Pacific? No, no. What was your reaction to uh, the war coming to an end with the dropping of the bomb and all that? Uh, well, I, I was home. Then uh, I got uh, I was out of the army when the war ended, and uh, I I worked one day. I got a job at the AMP warehouse. I worked one day, and ne next day the war ended, and they closed up the place, we all went home. And uh, then on payday, the guys that worked, you know, there before, uh, they got paid for that day. I didn't get paid, the superintendent, he brought the pay, and he says, Ed, I tried to have them pay you for that day, but you weren't here very long. Uh, so you don't get paid. He thought I was going to quit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he felt really bad. <laughs> I thought he was going to take the money out of his own pocket and give it to me. But uh, how did people treat you when you came back from the war? Were you, were you treated quite a bit differently by your friends and family, or oh, oh yeah, it they, real good. When I went to Wayland. Uh, my uh, niece was working in a seed store. I went in there, and the owner, he come and shook my head, hand. He said, Ed, you're a hero. <laughs> you know, they read in the paper where I knocked out that machine gun and got them japs, and heck, I'd go to the gas station. I had to have stamps, you know. At that time, you had stamps for gas. Heck, uh, they wouldn't take the stamps. Some of them gas stations wouldn't even take the money for the gas. They'd fill the Model A up. <laughs> and then uh, my uh, sister was driving that car while I was going. I looked at them tires. There was more vulcanized on there than the original rubber. So I went to that standard station where I always bought gas, and I asked, him if he had any uh, tires to fit that. He says, no, I ain't got any. So I went, uh, he said, I'm going to Grand Rapids. I'll see if I can find you some. And uh, so I went to town. I went every darn place. I couldn't find any. And then uh, next day I went back to that station, I said, did you find any? He said, yeah, I found two, but I ain't got time to put them on for you. I said, well, I can put them on. I said, you got tubes too, new ones? He said, yeah. So I bought them from him, took them home and put them on. Um, we have about 15 minutes of tape left. How long were you in the Pacific overall? 
uh, guy, I, I don't remember. I, I got it in this book down here. That's right. What was the thing that you were most looking forward to when you were on your way back home? Well, the, uh, the captain w woke me up and this other guy, and we had a go to a certain place there in New Guinea, I forgot what it was, Fitchhaven or something. And we stayed there overnight. And then they put us on a boat, one of them boat that carried supplies to New Guinea. All, all we had was just the clothes on our back. And uh, the merchant marines, they gave us a blanket we slept in a hole on that blanket, and they, they fed us too on our way home. I forgot how many days it took for them, you know, for us to come back. Then we hit Australia, and when we got to the doctor, he, this other guy uh, from Kalamazoo, we was up on a deck there, there was two beautiful girls downstairs in sweaters and big boobs, you know, waving to us. <laughs> when we got down off the boat, they were gone. And there was a, I think he was a sergeant, come with a little boat there. He said, come on, guys, jump in here. Then we went by Alcatraz, and the Army had a, uh, camp there. Uh, they took us to that camp. They examined us, give us clean clothes, said, go get a shower and then we'll give you something to eat. So we, we showered and shaved and uh, they fed us. Then they gave us some more clothes. They took us back to San Francisco gave us money for a train fare, come home. How were you received when you got home? Was there yeah. a large crowd of people or? No, 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 uh-uh. How many people were with you when you were coming back? Was it just you or? Just one other guy. Just you and one other guy? Yeah. What was the first thing you did when you got home? Did you sleep a lot? My brother-in-law came over. We went to Wayland. I went to A&P store, and there was the same manager still there. I said, Marion! He shook hands with me, almost pulled me over the counter. I said, you got any beer? He says, yeah, I just got some. <laughs> I said, I got to have a little party. I got to have some beer. He said, how many cases do you want? I said, how many can I get? So I, I think he gave me four cases of oh. beer. So did you have a good party then? Was it oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we. My dad was glad too because he didn't have any beer for a while. You couldn't buy beer, they, they said, you know. It was like rationed.
The preceding program is copyrighted by Grand Valley State University. Visit us at gbsu.edu.